Everyone knows you should never take a physicist to a sci-fi movie. The same can be said about a biologist and a creature feature. We can point out how certain things are biologically unlikely or downright impossible, but that would be boring. So rather than pointing out what can't happen, why not ask ourselves, what if it was real? So using my super nerd levels of knowledge about biology, physics, and mythical creatures, my friends and I will explore how different creatures could have actually evolved on our planet and what they potentially would look like. Hello and welcome back to a real creature feature. My name is Mac. I'm Mike. And I'm Dean. And today is our first recording of 2023. What? It's 2023? Yeah, I know. I, I I did leave you in that freezer for a very long where did, time. Where did where did twenty twenty one go? Uh, we all had an agreement, and we decided not to have not to talk about that one anymore. Oh, so I am now only thirty five, not thirty six. Oh, so you think you're better than me? Yes. Excellent. <laughs> okay. I'm fifty. All right. So what are we doing today? So today we are talking about the Ropen. Ropen. Okay. You were Dean suggested last time. So uh, yeah, that was me. Okay. What do you know about the Ropen? Uh not much. Like I was saying in the last episode, um, there was a Cryptid Hunter show that I had seen where they were looking for a chubacabra, and then the second half of that show, they were trying to track down the Ropen of uh, Papua New Guinea. And the entire thing was, it was a pterosaur of some sort with bioluminescent in the show, a bioluminescent stomach. And because they were talking about how there was footage of something that was regularly moving like through this like cliffside, that was just a series of lights that would regularly move, not like at regular intervals, but like you'd see it regularly move from like one spot back to another common spots. But and they they caught something on tape, but because it's at night, you can't really see what it is. Yeah. And that's what I know of the Ropen in general. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Dean? You know anything more? Nope. I <laughs> went. I just tr- went to Cryptid Wiki to look up the Ropen, and there's a really cool illustration of a fl- pterosaur fly- flying at night. But yeah. I don't know. I I don't know about reopens. Ropen. Look at that guy. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I basically yeah just looked up the cryptid wiki because I was like I don't know anything about this particular creature, and I'm like, this is a this is as good of a starting point as I can get because I'm not I don't know where to find the ancient tomes for the ropen. Is this going to be another thing where it's really started in like 1993 or something like that? Uh, no, not as bad. Uh, oh, good. 1972 then. Perfect. Oh, no. 1935, it looks like. Oh, all right. Even better. Yeah. So like the Nessie for a lot of its major ones. Yeah. Oh, okay. we, got, we got confirmation that creationists to create it. Yep. 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 Yeah. I found that one. Uh, and I was going to mention, okay, so I'm going to just read the basically the entry. The Ropen, meaning Demon Flyer, is a cryptid thought to 
either be a big bat or more commonly a pterosaur on New Guinea Island. It is said to produce light, uh, produce a light, possibly to attract fish. Uh, the ropen is cryptid. It should be the ropen is a cryptid, alleged. Wow, that is just not good English. Uh, the ropen is cryptid, alleged to live in the vicinity of uh, Indonesia, prov- uh, Papua province. Um, oh yeah, Papua, uh, and the nation of Papua New Guinea whatever um whatever he says yeah, yeah. i was like so, I'm trying so, to, like, so wait I was, now i was trying to reanalyze the grammar to yeah. see if i just can't read or if it was no uh, it's just as bad I, I don't like the implication that you're saying that the good people who run the cryptid wiki somehow have grammatical errors and issues within it i know it, it it's so far-fetched the idea uh it is oh according to the book searching for ropens it is any featherless creature that flies in the Southwest Pacific and has a tail length more than 25% of its wingspan. Wait, wait. So, so it has to, so it has to be featherless mm-hmm. and have a really okay. long tail. Okay. Those are some weird bats. I was yep. going to say that sounds about like the only thing it could be is a bat with a really long tail. And if you ever see must a cat- they must okay. use it to catch a lot of fireflies uh, and uh, Ooh, mosquitoes what if it has like at a, the same time. Like, what if it has like a net style on it? So it just let's. It's just like I don't know of many bats that actually have a long tail. I know no bats. A lot of bats do have tails, but none of them have long tails. Because I'm like, uh, I, I'm going to give you one of the like. Uh, so, um, blah blah blah. Um, one of the one of the reports. Um, oh yeah. Uh, the ropen is believed to be a no- to be nocturnal and to exhibit bioluminescence. Purportedly, it lives on a diet of fish, though there have been some reports of the creature feasting on human flesh, especially from grave robbery. Like they were the grave robbers, or they're carrion beasts that follow grave robbers. Especially from grave robbery. That's all it says. I choose to believe that it is a carrion beast that follows some cryptic grave robbers. The so ghouls? Why not? Ghouls are generally considered grave, like, oh, well, they're carrion eaters, so, and they dig up graves in a lot of stories. Uh, but yeah, um, it is pre- reported to have a wingspan anywhere from 12 to 100 plus feet. That would have to be a giant animal, especially if it's Especially if its tail length makes up more than 25% of its wingspan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, that would be gigantic. Okay, you remember the uh, Quetzalcoatlatus? Yes. Yeah, uh, it, which may have weighed more than 200 kilograms with a wingspan of around, like, up to 11 meters or 36 feet. The largest flying animal ever is 36 feet. The largest flying bird right now is the wandering albatross that has the largest known wingspan of any living bird, and that is 12 feet. So they're going with, with this thing that it's like, oh yeah, it's bigger than that. We would have, like, I hate to say this, but unless it's like picking up every person that would have seen it, yeah, someone would have clocked this thing by now. Yeah, no. It's... No, see, you don't under, uh, understand. Uh, the long wingspan makes it 
excellent for diving into water caves and hiding underwater in a cave system that has oxygen. And then it swoops out, catches a fish, goes to the graveyard, eats the fish, and follows around some grave robbers that are like the Babadook. Yeah, with the yeah with the grave uh, with the grave robber, you think, and like that implies that it's also good at digging, which is like you kind of so it's a thing that's likes to fly can fly, but also likes to be under the ground a lot. Yeah, because it has to be able to dig. This is yeah, it's, I mean, it's more like a creature that potentially is an evolutionary state of the tremor monsters. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like the graboids, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but where... yeah, this, this is where they were talking about it. It was like, despite popular belief, or popular myth, the Ropen is itself it was not fabricated by creationists. It was first cited in 1935 by famous biologist, etymologist, uh, Evelyn Cheeseman, who believed in evolution. Okay. Yeah, supposedly the, like, the, the idea of it uh, supposedly, uh, she was like all the ideas of that it might be a giant bat actually come from the creationists trying to take that. I guess I don't know. There was a bunch yeah. of stuff with that, and I'm like, I yeah. Now, what did, what were you gonna say, Dean? Oh, I was saying I was continuing with that sentence and saying, but oh. she was well respected by the scientific community. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what the article said, at least. Uh. I mean, she, well, I mean, she is well known in the London Zoo community. Apparently, she has discovered over 70,000 new species and for her time was quite, it was quite well known. So, oh, I mean, so, it, this isn't some, this isn't just some, you know, fly by night quack. <laughs> She's a well respected quack. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, we, Look, I still take my vitamins every day, even though I know that it's only it's not really doing as much good as it should. I'm sure shooting not going to live forever, though. It looks like the whole thing with that one is uh, in her book, The the, Ro- the Two Roads of Papa, uh, mm-hmm. published in 1935. It was more she was just trying to explain like these like you were saying, these like consistent lights that yeah. people were seeing. So it looks like maybe yeah. that. It, like, you know, it spiraled out from there. So it's so it might be less of a we found we have a thing and more yeah. of a uh, my theoretical idea of what this might be. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, yeah. So here's the thing about it. And it, it made me think about this. So it's like, oh, it has lights underneath this stomach. Now, OK, depending on how you're describing it, where like this one, yeah, it sounds like it was just something off in the distance where it's just moving lights. Yeah. But a lot of times you'll hear stuff like for like Mothman or a bunch of other creatures where they're like, oh, they have glowing red eyes, blah, blah, blah. Um, So uh, I'm going to skip ahead a bunch of some of my stuff. But uh, so there's a thing in a lot of vertebrates eyes for like nocturnal animals. It's called the uh, tapum lucidum. So, you know, when you see like a cat or a dog or a deer at night and their eyes are flashing a color. Uh, yeah, I've I've seen that plenty. I'll have a story about that later. Oh yeah. Well, that's what that is. It's the tapelusidum is a layer of tissue in the eye, in many vertebrates and some other animals, uh, lying immediately behind the retina. It is a retro reflector. It reflects visible light back through the retina, increasing the light available for photoreceptors. 
although slightly blurring the image. Um, the Depa lucidum contributes to superior night vision in some animals. Of some animals. Uh, many of these animals are nocturnal, especially carnivores, while others are deep sea animals. So yeah, it's that's what the thing is. It's it's reflecting back to light, and that's why you could, those eyes. I'm like, I don't know if I can't remember which one it was. What what happened? But um, there's a video. There was a video of me uh, walking up a, a flight of stairs, and I don't know if my cousin was using a, like a night vision filter or something. Yeah. But there are there's a video at least of my eyes flashing. <laughs> Oh yeah. Well, I mean that it humans have something like that because that's why for the longest time certain pictures had children with red eyes. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it's, it's because it's, my your eyes are your eyes are really big, and yeah, yeah, something's it's causing a bounce back. Yeah. Yeah, because that's why they when they do the red eye reduction, it's always that thing of they have a consistent light that then shrinks your pupils down, mm-hmm. and then takes the flash picture so that you get less of that. But now since we're since we have a small break, here's where my story comes in. So speaking of indeterminate lights, uh, this was about God, I was in college still. So I'm going to say 20 years ago. And mom had asked me to go out to buy something from Walmart. So, you know, I don't know if you've ever been to my house, but we live on the street and then there's like a hillside, which then there's a hill where you go up the hill and then you turn the corner to go downhill. And so um, before I leave, I just look up into the night sky and I see these lights. Can't really explain them. Don't know what they were, but they were flashing in like a pretty regular pattern and then just go out. So I'm like, that was weird. Mm. Never experienced anything like that before. So I don't think much else of it. Go do the shopping for mom. Come back going up the hill and as soon as I get up to the top of the hill, all of a sudden is I see 30 or 40 pairs of like glowing eyes. <laughs> and I'm like, Aaron's! and I freak out. And then my, and then my normal brain suddenly focuses. Oh dear. <laughs> just like 30 or 40 deer just in the, just in the field. But because yeah. my brain had already seen these unknown lights, which now, in hindsight, my thought process is that they were probably just airplane lights behind cloud cover. Yeah. You know, just something where it's like, you know, not really thinking about like what the light, what, like what the night was like, what it was. My guess is it was just, you know, an airplane in cloud cover. And that's why it was like certain flashing looked really odd and the pattern looked really yeah. weird. You know, it was, and then it just disappears because plane went behind a cloud. You know, you just don't see it anymore and you're not thinking about it. Yeah, no, yeah. I, but I, I'm I'm still not putting up aliens as the thing. Yeah. I well, see it's obviously the bog roping that we have yeah. famously in the Berlin area. Because it could have flown from the bog and the locks by your house mm-hmm. to the graveyard across the street from the old Walmart oh. to, to the graves and then fly back to the bogs and you just missed its return flight and that's why you could see all the deer's eyes because their heads were up looking for the bees roping yep yep oh yeah no absolutely i mean berlin's famous for that cryptid i i saw like that was but that was like just it it just was so perfect of an event to occur because you know 
your brain's already in that spot yeah, and then it, it's, it's like uh, what's what's the word it's uh pre not pre-exposed pre predisposed yeah 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 because yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's like yeah. You're, you're already thinking about it just because you know unidentified flying objects have always been a thing for us yeah, yeah. so it's like you know so you always hear about like the lights or whatever and so it's like and it was just like it, it was just that perfect thing that got my brain thinking about the idea of well it's an object it's flying and i can't identify it therefore ufo doesn't mean it's extraterrestrial it could easily be terrestrial i just can't identify what it is and so then you know your brain just goes into it so then when you see just big old just big old glowy eyes in the middle of the night of course my first instinct is aliens cuz always aliens again that's that primal part of our brains connecting the dots yeah yeah and so it worked and uh so uh, the reason why i brought up the whole uh tapid lucidum it was just because so a lot of times you'll hear people talk about uh all these giant flying monsters like in the dark and stuff like that and like oh and they have the glowing red giant eyes you're like mothman and a whole bunch of this or uh more recently i heard about this one in, down in chicago the phantom of chicago and uh it's really interesting because a lot of times it's because people are misidentifying birds. Oh, to the point that it's become a joke in a lot of, I guess, a lot of the paranormal like fan community. I don't know, like people who like these stories, but might not exactly believe them. Uh, like sandhill cranes, owls, basically, because it's like people are just misidentifying because they don't understand if you see something. OK, so I was like thinking about this. So one of the ideas for like the one down in Chicago is that it is a a juvenile or like a non fully uh, mature bald eagle because the bald eagle is coming back and it's like actually thriving to the point that it's probably actually taking over other lands of animals that got pushed out because they went extinct or were like considered nuisances. So humans just started wiping them out. Uh, not fully mature bald eagles have really dark feathers all throughout their entire body. Like they don't have that white head yet. And so it's like, think about that flying around at night. These birds are huge. And if you don't have a good perspective on how big they are, because you're like, you don't know how close or far they are, uh, they can potentially be like, well, that's, that's, that, that thing must be huge. Yeah. And then just like, Think about the outline of uh, an eagle, like with its arms out. Like you don't know what shape that is. Like you just see like a jagged edge. So like you could think, oh, that's what a uh, a bat wing or something. Because you know you don't know. Why would yeah. you know that? And so it's like all these giant flying creatures, and that have glowing red eyes. The tap loosen them, and depending on the type of light source that's hitting their eyes, that th will change the color of them. Nice. And it's like, okay, that's neat. Yeah, well, I mean, especially if you don't know what and what a an animal specifically is, especially at night. I I get that, and especially now that I've seen what a juvenile bald eagle looks like. I mean, because I've seen like I've seen your standard bald eagle up close and personal in the wild. It carried away a small deer. Yeah. They're gigantic, and people don't realize that they're carrion birds. 
and yeah, imagine somebody who's lived in Chicago their entire life and they never seen something that big. Yeah. So we're saying the the um Ropen is a eagle type of character creature that has eyes all over its stomach. I mean, no. Potentially, why not? <laughs> uh no, uh for I have a, I have a better idea for that one. Um but yeah, no, because even in here, they are like the Ropen is misidentified is probably a misidentified flying fox. Those things are huge. Oh yeah, they are big and they're cute as a button. Yeah, I love them. Of like wingspan of six feet. Yeah. My other idea was to say that it's a specialized bat that has an extremely long snout that flies backwards. Oh yeah, that's a that's a very specialized bat. Yeah. I'm like, there are there is a type of bat, I can't remember its name, that does have a really, really long face. Yeah. Oh, but I can't remember it off the top. The, of the horse bat? Yeah, I think, yeah, it's like a horse bat or something like that. Yeah, they're not the prettiest, in my opinion, but to each their own. But no, because uh, one of those things, uh, so I w- did want to go over a bunch, some of the stuff about, uh, like, terror swords and stuff like that. Just because I'm like, eh, we're just going to go over some of the information about it. Uh, pterosaurs are an extinct clad of flying reptiles. They are not dinosaurs, but they are closely related to dinosaurs. Um, and uh, the the uh, Paras, uh, Terasaura, yeah, uh, yeah, the P is silent. I like there is a like it was a five second films on YouTube that they had a a skit where it's like you're never gonna find anything, and it there's these guys bullying a, a paleontologist. And uh, his name was Peter Dactyl. Ah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that's funny. Um, They existed during the Mesozoic from the late Triassic to the end of the Cretaceous. So from 228 million years ago to 66 million years ago, they died the same time as all the other major uh, dinosaurs died out. Nice. Uh, There were two main types of pterosaurs the basal or basal b-a-s-a-l pterosaurs also known as non-pterodactyloid pterosaurs and the uh give me some one second when i can't pronounce ramphorinkidae uh were small animals uh oh oh wait wait or the ramphorinkidae were smaller animals with uh full tooth jaws typically long tails uh, so the ones like you would see like a lot of these were like whenever you seem depicted, yeah, they're like the smaller guys with teeth. And then there were ones that were a lot bigger and they had a lot bigger heads and they like didn't seem to have any teeth. It was just like one big beak. Oh, oh their hind wide wing membranes pro- uh, probably included and connected the hind legs. But so I'll, one of the big things I, I was looking into today was actually about the whole glowing stomach thing. So there is a thing in nature that where things can make things glow. It's called bioluminescence. Didn't we go over bioluminescence? Probably. Let's bioluminescence again, I guess. But I know I didn't get go into this much depth of it. Let's get deep. Bioluminescence occurs through chemical reaction that produces light energy within an organism's body. For a reaction to occur, the species must contain lucifer, luciferin, uh, because that, like Lucifer, yeah, because in um, it basically means light, 
that's why Lucifer is like the light bringer, Morning Star, like all those other. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, Luciferin. Also, it could be taken as a misquote in the Bible where they were actually talking about Venus. Oh, yeah. Just just some trivia that I know about translating the Bible. Oh, okay. Uh, well, it's a mole- it's a molecule. When it reacts with oxygen, produces light. There are different types of luciferin, uh, which vary depending on the animal hosting the reaction. Meg- many organisms also produce uh, the catalyst luciferinase, which helps speed up the reaction. I was looking up like the, like multiple versions of this, making sure like I was getting all the information right. Bioluminescence is a type of chemoluminescence, which is simply the term chemical reaction where light is produced. Like there's a lot of things that you can make things like chemically produce light. Uh, the, I thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, bioluminescence is a cold light. Cold light means less than 20% of the light generates thermal radiation so here's something that's really kind of neat like pretty much all living things on one level or another bioluminesce but like the whole bioluminescence what we're referring to is in the visible spectrum so like you glow in the dark under thermal how dare you 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 produce but you just produce it in a a wavelength that we can't see really yeah but yeah because i was like i was just always thinking about that because i'm like touch a touch a light bulb it's hot yeah even the even the ones that we have now that are way more efficient than they used to be still are warm to the like warm or hot to the touch so i was like it's it's always kind of cool that i'm like something that's producing light it's you know it can't be super duper bright to the equivalent of a million watt or million uh candle light bulb or something like that Mm -hmm. it might i don't even think I don't know if any of them can even like really equate to like one candle. Like a, I don't think a firefly can. It would take a, it would take a large number of fireflies, I think, to equate. I don't know if I talked about this like before because about um, I took a class when I was taking a class for my biotechnology certification. I just remember a dude coming talking about this idea that somebody had where they wanted to genetically engineer um, trees to be bioluminescent so that, you know, they could just get rid of streetlights and everything else like that. And I had to look at it. And I'm like, well, that's not going to work. It was like, why not? I was like, cause humans are too afraid of the dark. The amount of light that you could make a tree produce won't be enough to equate one streetlight. Yeah. Cause I'm like, you, we don't, it like the energy production isn't worth the plant do like having that, like using that much resources to produce so much energy and it doesn't have access to that much energy yeah. like that. It would burn itself out before it could produce that much light. So it would be only like a dim glow. That would be more of like a special arboretum, like in Milwaukee. Now that makes me wonder though, light, at least in some ways produces heat. Yeah. So, I mean, if you wanted to get the tree, when you say burn out. Yeah, and and probably actually true. It probably actually would literally have to burn itself out because to produce enough energy. Interesting. Uh, uh, Think about it like this. Um, So you ever do one of those experiments where like you hand crank a light bulb? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So think about like that. Like how bright does that get and how hard are you moving? Oh, very hard. 
And then they, because they used to run that experiment in, um, it might have actually been the Stevens Point Energy Fair when they had that. Um, they put us on a, they put us on like a standing bike and would have us pedal. And then they would change the, wa- they would change the wattage of the bulb that we were pedaling to create. And it took more energy to produce for the larger wattage bulbs. So you'd have to run harder to make it. You'd have to pedal harder to make that one stay lit. Yeah. So like, and that's, so that's calories that you're burning to convert to energy that uh, you're powering that thing. So it was like, then think about that with the tree. How many calories? This is something I I don't know. Cause I'm like, this is, I would have to find a plant person for this one. Like how many calories do you think it would, it takes for a tree to just exist? I have no idea. Because it's like on average for like an average a person, it's like, you know, your calorie intake is basically how many you how many calories you burn through the day. Like that's what it's supposed to be. And yeah. so like averaging 2000 calories a day. And that's just existing in your everyday life, walking around and doing stuff. Well, so I'm like then you would have to. And I'm pretty sure trees probably don't produce use that as many calories as like us. Probably not. And they're just passively gaining uh atp and everything else because of the trees or because of the sun because of photosynthesis so like yeah oh let's see if i can actually find that now i'm just like oh i want to know how many calories does a tree use Twenty four thousand calories of light energy is absorbed by a tree most of mm-hmm. this is used to evaporate water Whole so so there you go Twenty four thousand ca- calories and just that to, just to live, just to live. And that's just uh, so that water is evaporated off the leaves so that it has the um, so it can suck at more water from the ground. Interesting. That is crazy. Yeah, I'm like, well, that's a lot of energy. And so I'm like, but that's just for its everyday need. So I'm like, now imagine that it's having done use some of it couldn't be using that energy probably then too to produce that light. So therefore it would need to have an extra source of energy to be able to produce the light so that it can still at least function. So we'd probably have to start feeding it meat <laughs> or coal or something like that. It, like something that it needs to be able to convert into energy, like super, like way more efficiently. Cause it was like um r- reason why like meat eaters are meat eaters is because it's like, okay, I don't actually do all that much work to pr- like break down this meat to power and everything else. That's why, like herbivores, a lot of times you see them; they're more sluggish because because it takes a lot of time and energy to extract any kind of nutrients or energy from eating plants. Oh, huh. here's something interesting: How many calories are in a tree? Alexa answers. Uh, this is a normal maple tree. There are thirty or forty boards in a tree, so it's like literally if you burn it, because that's yeah. how you figure out calories. Uh, each bore is about forty. About forty-five thousand calories. So an average tree is about a hundred sixty-three thousand three hundred thirty-six calories. So get eaten, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, if we could eat a tree and use all of that, yeah, we'd we'd be we'd be golden. But the problem yeah. is, yeah, the amount of energy it would take to get to the point where you can get any energy. Oh, uh. So uh, cold fusion, cold fusion is a good example for like some of like this example. So cold fusion, we've been working on it for like a long time now. Mm-hmm. Recently, uh, they got like a minor step closer 
to um, being able to do cold fusion. So the problem, like, I mean, like, so we can do cold fusion. That's not the issue. The issue with it right now is that it costs more energy than it's like worth getting out of. So the sun has is a giant freaking ball of hydrogen. Yeah. Nuclear furnace. Well, not really, because what it is, is just because of the force of gravity, it's pushing in uh, all that material. So in the in the middle of that, that's where all the fusions actually happening. Nuclear uh, nuclear uh, power is fission, where it's just atoms like breaking off. That's what that is. And fusion is like smooshing two things together. Yeah. If you don't mind, yeah, they might be giants. That actually, had to go back and correct the song that they originally wrote about the sun. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, so what we're but because of that, it's like that's a lot of heat and pressure that is just happens to be there just because of the mass of the sun. So that allows to have. Um, fusion now what we want to know what we want to do is basically use a bunch of lasers to see if we can like squish um atoms together in this case it'd be like two hydrogens into form one helium and that would cause a massive release of energy which we can do but it costs a lot of money to make that energy to produce the to fuse it so we just need to figure out basically more efficient lasers so like recently there was a um uh someone who's like, oh, we made a breakthrough. We finally got more energy out than we put in. And I was talking to my uh, cousin who actually is a she's a doctorate in physics. She works with lasers. Yeah. And uh, she was like and I was like I was going to ask her about that. And she was she kind of cut me off before I could actually ask my question. She was like, no, that's not what's actually happening. <laughs> I'm like, when you put in all the math, like everything else is like. It's still not what people are wanting it to be. And I was like, no, it's, I know, <laughs> but it's a, but it's an interesting subject to bring up because it, it is, it, it is a step in the right direction. It's the same way years before that, uh, they had created microwave, a microwave propulsion system, uh, which was basically a propulsion system that didn't require the same sort of, uh, burst force like a rocket had. And, in theory, you could make it bigger, but the tech's not there. But it's an interesting step in a direction that we didn't think was realistically possible. We got way off track here. We can keep going with... We can go back to Ropen, because we talked about bioluminescence. Yeah, okay, yeah. So basically, with bioluminescence, it's just really neat, but sadly, we... As of right now, we would have to generate... We would have to cause the thing to generate way more energy than it, it could probably do by its own in a natural setting to make not that that we couldn't make an animal that could glow or something like that i mean like to make it that it could be as bright as a light bulb or anything like that yeah you yeah you could still have a, a glowing animal whatever because like yeah. that's a cool thing is like so there's also a thing called biofluorescence biofluorescence yeah. biofluorescence is not a chemical reaction biofluorescence plants and organisms absorb a low wavelength or dim light and then emit a high high wavelength i'm pretty sure that's wrong um so what happens is uh other way it, around probably i, I think yeah i'm pretty sure that it, it it shows off a lower wavelength because at this point it would be when you say a higher wavelength it would be like you're putting in energy and shooting it off wouldn't it be like glow in the dark essentially yeah 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 so like any sort of like glow in the dark material where it would absorb works particularly well with like uv light 
it absorbs that UV light and then it just gives off that it gives off that glow once it once the lights get turned out. Yeah. But it's also kind of like this a very similar thing to like if you shine a black light onto like a scorpion. Yeah. It will glow. Yeah. Um or uh because it's always interesting when people you hear people complaining about this particular thing. It's like uh they've done this with like a bunch of different animals uh to make them glow in the dark. Now, the reason why you do that in genetic engineering, anything like that, is you attach that biofluorescent gene to the thing that you want to actually be added into the animal. And then you test it by shining the black light to see if it glows. It's like, oh, it's glowing. So therefore, it also should have this other gene. So that's why you a lot of times you see people talking about making bacteria glow. That's why. Or making a bunny glow. That's generally why. It's not to make it glow which is cool, it's to also see that this other thing is glowing. Yep. So I'm like, I'm not opposed to an animal that is bioluminescing, like, on its stomach for... Because, I'm like, there are there is no one purpose for bioluminescence. Yeah. That, that we, like, because, like, there's ones that it's, hey, come here, we want, I want to distract you while I eat you, or, hey, go away, I'm bad and you don't want to mess with me to I'm going to use this for communication for other things. Like a lot of things that use bioluminescence are done in the dark because it's bright. And that's why you see it in like deep sea fish. Like uh, one of the statistics I saw the day, it was like 90% of like deep sea animals will bioluminesce. I was like, I don't know if that's true, but I'm like, that's pretty cool. Nice. Um. So yeah, I'm not opposed to a giant bat that glows for the purpose of like just moths are drawn to uh light yeah so it's doing it to attract moths to them i don't understand why it would like for like one of the ideas was like oh it's to attract fish why would it go for fish yeah how would it see like it would need to be able to see that there's fish down there to yeah do that like no i don't think that would Maybe it's got really good night eyes and it blinds itself with its own bioluminescence. Exactly. It maybe maybe it's like maybe it's like the koala. It's one of those evolutionary like it's one of those like evolutionary lucky things that just figures out just finds its niche and lives in it. All I'm saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's kind of our breakdown for the Ropen. It's mostly I just wanted to talk about bioluminescence today and also talk about like uh pterodactyls and so i'm just going back to make sure because i kind of the chain kind of fell apart when my mom gave me a call just (laughs) while you were talking (laughs) about stuff would this thing if if the ropan were to actually obviously it wouldn't be you know as big it wouldn't be a giant um would it make more sense for it to would it be it would be mammalian though in the sense of like how we were going with it, yeah, probably would be okay. Because the thing about it is with you, because it's also in a, a tropical environment in this sense, yeah. So it could have thinner fur, so it could still be seen, okay. Because I'm thinking about like feathers, yeah. If you bioluminescing your skin with... or a patch or something, the feathers would have to not be covering that, yeah. So it's like that's just kind of. Okay, no, that makes sense. And obviously, depending on where it's bioluminescing from, yeah. it could be, I guess, could it be like a heat escape almost where it has to bioluminesce from? Yeah, it could be. Because, yeah, it's still producing some heat. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, yeah. If any of the audience knows of any kind of bioluminescent uh, birds, let me know. That would be weird, though. Like you said, I mean, you might be able to get one who you know that that does the uh, what's the other thing called? A biofluorescent. Yeah, I mean, you you, you might be able to have a bird that biofluoresces for yeah, reasons. and then yeah, it's like off its feathers. Yeah. What is it? I might have missed this. Uh, what is a what is it called when somebody when a creature uh, collects bacteria that glows in the dark, and so they don't produce the glowing effect, but they've got a symbiote symbiotic. Yeah, um, yeah. It's called um, cultivating, I guess. That would make sense. Yeah, I don't know if there's a specific term for, um, yeah, cultivating a bio fluorescent bacteria yeah i think that would just be more like using the terms like cultivating or having a symbiotic relationship with another species you know it's that same way like you get god nature is weird y'all because i mean there's some deep sea creatures that they don't produce the light but they've got bacteria patches that produce the uh biolumin bioluminescence I think that's probably like just how it works in general for like, yeah, a lot of them. Nature is the miracle. I know this. Yeah. I'm not. Again, none of, none of these ones that we've talked about recently ever really feel like they could fall outside of the realm of possibility. No, no. it's just, it's just not as likely, especially depending on how big, like, like you said, the Ropen can't be giants. No, it, it, it's it, like to try to make it, fall under like oh yeah this thing could exist blah 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 and then but we just haven't found it it's like well okay sure but it can't be that big yeah because we would see it yeah i mean if you're gonna tell me that there's a giant glowing bird or a giant glowing like pterosaur it's someone would have said something sooner this would have been a thing that has gotten studied but you forget it's related to tremors so you're saying we're just not seeing them because it's buried underground as a different life cycle of itself like cicadas yeah it appears only every so often is is there like anything saying like these lights that happen in papa new guinea or i'm i don't know was it papa new guinea yeah you're, yeah, you're right yeah, 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 papa yeah, new okay. guinea you got it um if if it's something that happens every once in a while I don't know. I did. I didn't look enough into that part. I was just like, that's. It just seems like that might have been like where all of it started. Is where they're like, oh, there's just seeing these periodic lights, and they're like, oh, that's weird. Well, because it could be like, like me this. Yeah. Because there's some like weird lights that happen in like uh, Appalachia Mountains. Yeah, there. There's weird lights that happen everywhere. Yeah. I'm not gonna try to connect all of them. But I didn't know if if we had specific like it only happens like every so often or I don't yeah I don't know I didn't look I didn't look that deep into it because it for this for the sake of this it doesn't matter as much because it's still about trying to find a freaking it's about the idea of we haven't even seen a pterosaur yeah you know that's where it's. Again, someone would have said something. If someone had seen a, an actual factual pterosaur, no one's keeping that crap under wraps. I mean, we, like, 
in 19, I would guarantee you by 1956, once we start using planes on a more regular basis, someone would have seen this thing and said something. Right. I, guys, I guess I have to announce it. I saw a giant flying pterosaur with glowing eyes underneath it being followed by a bat that has a long snout flying backwards. How dare you? How dare you keep this from us? Where was this? And now we're now we have to go set this up and we have to go do the whole thing. We're going to have to call Ryan, call Ryan Bagara and tell him to get over here to help find this pterosaur. It was in their video when they were at the goat bridge. Ah, goat man. I love goat bridge. We should go to goat bridge. Let's go. Let's go. uh, I want to go there so bad. Okay. So, yeah, we'll finish up with it. I'm just going to say, if you wanted it, a giant bat that glows. I like a giant glowing bat. I like that idea. Um, uh, so uh, we got some wrap-up stuff. But before that, what should we talk about next time? I have no idea anymore. We're running, we're running out of things. There's so many no, animals. If, if, we wanted, if we wanted to do something in Wisconsin, there's the Beast of Brayberry Road. Uh, so I'm gonna, that's going to be classified probably under Werewolf. Okay. That's the only I, reason why I, I haven't done that. Uh, okay. But I, I, I knew that possibility could be out there where it would be lumped in with werewolves. So I didn't know if it had enough on its own or if it would just be better to lump it in with werewolves. No. Uh, so hopefully we'll, we'll try to coordinate with uh, Doug to see because he wanted to do the episode with uh, werewolves. So we can see if we can coordinate with him to see if he wants to. Or have time to do that, because that'd be cool. Or it will be a complete surprise for you guys. I like surprises. Let's do a surprise this time. Okay. If we, if we can't get Doug, we might as well just do a surprise, because I've picked a couple. Because I think that'd be, I think it would be fun just to try one with just a whatever the hell, because there it, it could be more interesting to see that. Okay. So now I do want to talk to the audience. Hello, audience. Gross. <laughs> so yeah basically yeah this is we well, i'm not gonna say it's not a uh it's not been a full year because no we started june yeah with a lot of this stuff so half a year but you know yeah. end of 2022 2023 and we kind of wanted to talk about stuff that we i kind of wanted to get your guys's opinions on because like different shows alternative shows if in case you're like this one sucks i want you to change I like you guys, but I don't like your topics. Uh, so I had an idea for an like an alternative week episode thing, where it's like it's gonna be it would be a lot shorter, and like it's gonna be a lot. It's basically just gonna be me talking in the mic with that one. I'm assuming. Uh, so it's easier to coordinate. <laughs> uh, basic premise is I'm gonna take um four pairs of dice, one four um four sided. And then three ten-sided. Reason why I'm going to do that is then I'm going to roll those dice because I have four uh, volumes of the last edition for the Bestiaries for Pathfinder. So I'm like, I'll roll those, then I'll randomly pick, basically it's to help me randomize it, and then pick whatever monster I find, and then we'll I'll talk about it, I'll describe it and everything else like that, and then I'll talk about like the likelihood of it being able to evolve on our planet or what it could have evolved from 
or any other number of things that might pop in my head while I'm doing it. If you like that idea, please let us know. Uh, Mike has an idea involving Twitch. I, I think it would be a good idea, at least because I'm trying to build a brand and I'm, a you know, always be making content. Always be making content. It might be a fun idea, at least, to start trying stuff on Twitch just to see if we can get more people to do live interactions. Um, obviously, I'm still working on setting up the Twitch channel to be something halfway decent, but it would definitely be worth at least looking into and trying out because worst case scenario, the whole thing falls apart right away and then we don't do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Best case scenario, it at least allows us to have more and better real time interactions with the audience. Yeah. Cause then you guys can then be able to ask us questions in real yeah. time with like what we're talking about. All seven of you can talk to us at once. Yay. We have tens of listeners. <laughs> That's including you, George F827. <laughs> I don't even know how he got that name. Yeah, because I'm the only one that has any information about anybody. <laughs> I don't know how he figures this stuff out. He's he's a crazy hacker. Yeah. And and speaking of uh, trying to get our numbers up, I, I kind of uh, am part of a group and we're going to be like suggesting each other's podcasts. And uh, so I got a list of podcasts that if you guys are interested in, too, please check them out. Uh, first one is The Fish Nerd Podcast. Pretty self-explanatory about what that one is. If you guys like fishing, check it out. I thought that was going to be a podcast about the great apes of the world. Especially water apes. Or uh, fishing, for like fishing type emails. Okay. Yeah. Fish you know. Nerd. Uh, the next one that actually does have like a... Uh, um, I'm pretty sure is a bigger following than ours. It's called the Macabre Emporium podcast. Um, it covers true crime, dark and weird, his weird history, but you won't be hearing about the big serial killers on other podcasts, except for like as references. So yeah, they're like, they're really trying to do more of the lesser known stories. And the last one I have is um, horror time. The show where two friends tell original tales of horror and mystery and delve into the related creepy topics. Nice. But yeah, uh, it's uh, the Macabre Emporium one. That one's, yeah, it's pretty cool because, yeah, they it's uh, a guy and his girlfriend. I think they're pretty sure that's what it is. Uh, they haven't said that they were married. <laughs> and they uh, they just, like, pick different stories and then tell each other. Um, it. Uh, his girlfriend generally goes for um, more true crime and he kind of goes for more weird stories, but like, you know, it's not, they're not um, stuck into that. Like they, he would do some um, true crime as well. Neat. But yeah, but yeah, they definitely don't want to do the big time serial killers. Cause like everybody does has done those to death. But <laughs> so, yeah. So please check those out and say that we sent you. Nice. Cool. Alright. Well, so, I think that kind of covers it then. Yeah. Hopefully All you guys in the meantime, see you I'm around. Gonna, see you around. I'm going to go look for a Whataburger. Whee! Cool. Bye. That works. Bye. A Real Creature Feature is created by Matt Kuklinski. Starring Matt Kuklinski, Michael Seaman, and Dean Snow. Any questions, comments, artwork, or general inquiries can be sent to 
realcreaturefeature at gmail.com. You can view any submitted fan art and pictures on our Instagram at a real creature feature. Some episodes were recorded weeks in advance due to our current sporadic recording schedule. Any comments left will be seen and addressed at some point, and you will be credited unless you tell us you wish to remain anonymous. If you like the podcast, please leave a review on the podcast app that works best for you. It really helps us out. Also, tell your friends, enemies, and total strangers about the podcast. They might enjoy it too, and that can bring us all closer together. Um, wait, I'm going to bounce back to the fusion thing. Uh, what she told me, she was like, because it was like, what we need are just like, well, way more efficient lasers. Yeah. And so that's one of the stop gaps right now is it costs a lot of energy and money to pre- cause those en- lasers to do what we need them to do. So we just need more efficient lasers, which is yeah. hard. Now we go back to that. Oh, the uh, microwave engine. Because. Mm-hmm. In my brain, I can only think of like an ion drive, which yeah, maybe might have been the precursor, or is it, or the microwave drive is the precursor? I don't know. Um, I don't yeah. know if I but I just know this one is so the ion drive. Ion drive is basically what uh, it's using Newton's third law. For every yeah. action, has an opposite equal reaction. Yep. So the basic idea is if you take a baseball, like this is the only way you can kind of explain it is uh, so if you're in space. You take a baseball and you throw it in one direction. Mm-hmm. You throwing that ball in that direction pushes you the exact opposite direction, the opposite way in the exact same amount of force. Yep. Now imagine if you have a bunch of like a bag full of baseballs and you just keep throwing them mm-hmm. like periodically. You're gonna slowly increase your speed because there's nothing st- like slowing you down. Yeah. That's a macro version of what an ion drive is, an ion engine. And uh, the actually what they use is like basically atoms and like or molecules or like really tiny amounts of matter. And they're just constantly throwing it behind a ship. Now, it's like, you know, minuscule amount of acceleration. Yeah. But if you do that long enough, you can get pretty fast. Yeah. To the point, like it was, uh, like I think it's yeah, it's Forager Two. It's the fastest man-made thing ever because it just keeps getting faster and faster, 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 faster. Neat. And it uses very little fuel. Yeah. Like right now, what we're trying to figure out is a way to make do it fast, like on a bigger scale with what? smaller amounts of like a certain amount of material. Well, the answer uh, that's simple. You baseball? make the ions bigger. <laughs> It's not that hard. <laughs> we need to ionize baseballs. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah, exactly. But then where do you store the baseballs? I don't know. That's, yeah, that's, that's kind of... I don't know. Liquid farm. Up, yes, liquid baseballs. That is the new energy source for... Uh, uh, oh, shoot. For we, rocket ships of the future. We have instead some... Of solid instead yeah. of solid energy sources we use liquid baseballs oh there we go we've solved the energy crisis nobel prize please nobel prize <laughs> or according to uh morbius noble prize uh the ignoble prize please 